You may recognize her face from her decades-long career in TV and film, or from her win on Fox's The Masked Singer. Actor and Billboard Top 30 charting singer-songwriter Alicia Witt has played her piano-driven pop rock music all over the world, and she's poured her latest heartfelt lyrics into a new EP called Witness, which has just been released. This is a Life Minute with Alicia Witt. How are you? Great, thanks. It's good to see you. You too. You look so pretty. Oh, thank you so much. So do you. So thanks so much for joining us in Life Minute. So glad to have you. Thank you for having me. So you have a new EP out. Tell us all about it. This EP is the fastest process I've experienced so far in terms of the birth of most of these songs, the writing of them, and then jumping right into the studio, recording them and committing to them, getting them out and knowing they were going to be released. And that's really thrilling. It's freeing to have it be that instinctive, choosing what to put on it and knowing that whatever I felt was correct in that moment, is what's going to be forever now. (laughs) So great. What do you attribute that to? Why do you think it was easier this time? You know, it was a result of having been on The Masked Singer. I received an email. They reached (laughs) out to me and I didn't take more than a few seconds before I realized this was going to be an incredible gift for me. It's interesting. It's as fun and as silly as the show is, I had a profound experience because it taught me what it feels like to use your voice alone to connect to mm. people. Yeah, yeah. I often feel a little like I'm not the most profound when it comes to communicating with my words. I feel much more connected when I have a song to sing. The thing is, as a human being, we come with all these identifying features. And whether you're a publicly known figure or not, every person on earth comes in a package and (laughs) we all make preconceived notions about who that person is before they open their mouth. Yeah. You have all of that hidden under a mask and under a costume. You can't make eye contact. You can't smile can't touch. So much of what I use as a performer when I get out on a stage is taken away. All I had was my voice. And I'll never for the rest of my life forget the feeling of singing over the rainbow and connecting with that crowd of 500 people and feeling like I've never been closer to anyone and nobody knew who I was. I know that the range of guesses were so vast. It's so funny. You know, Annie Lennox, Sarah McLaughlin, Vanessa Williams, right? Yes. Funny. It's changed how I sing for the better. Now I think I can do it even more confidently. It's a a real gift that that show gave me. Oh, wow. That's so neat. So I was going back and forth between Vancouver filming a movie and LA filming The Masked Singer. And when I realized that the episode was going to air where I was unmasked in April, 
I thought, I wonder if I can record something as soon as I get back to Nashville and just do it lickety split and witness the title song was already written. It had been written over many months last year, actually. That was one of the songs that's taken the longest to write because it was so very personal to me and so important that every word felt true to my experience and to do honor to those who are my witnesses. But of all the songs in my arsenal that I've not recorded, that I've written over the years, some of these songs didn't feel as resonant to the theme of being a witness or receiving people being my witness as I wanted them to. So I looked over all of these ideas I had sitting around that were not finished. And I sent some of them to some of my favorite collaborators while I was busy working. And when I got back to Nashville at the end of February, we jumped into the, into the writing rooms and wrote four of the six tracks that you hear on this EP. And they felt like they fit into the theme and they became part of this album. Always Tuesday, I wrote by myself and didn't intend to write it. It just came out of an experience I had. And I, I don't really know where that song came from, but I know it had to be on this record. Uh, and tell us about, you mentioned your favorite collaborators. Tell us about them. Oh, Matt Wynn is one of my favorites. He's uh, he's a phenomenal writer who lives here and he's, I mean, he's got a, a cut on Reba's album coming out later this year and he's written hundreds and hundreds of fantastic songs. He was my co-writer on Witness, which was written at a time when I was struggling to feel as creative as I normally do. But this mantra, will you be my witness, just kept running through my head and it had a melody attached and lots of lyrics kind of tumbled out of me. But I I knew that I needed a writer like Matt to help harness them and turn them into the song that I felt it deserved to be. Mm-hmm. And he also was my collaborator on One Last Drink We've written quite a few songs together and there are others that will be recorded by me or hopefully by someone else at some point in the future. But I just love writing with him. And then Jeff Cohen is genuinely my oldest friend in Nashville. I've known him since the first day I came here for 24 hours to open for a friend of mine at 12th and Porter He was there in the crowd and we became fast friends. That was back in 2009. And he and I have written a number of songs together as well, including Love Anyway, which I released a few years ago. He's got so many cuts with so many artists. Very special, very seasoned writer of all genres. And when I had the idea for someone to write me a song, I knew that he was the one I would want to write that with me. Tell us a little bit about the stories of those two, someone to write me a song. I think the story of that is so neat. Thank you. Someone to write me a song. 
it came from listening to the radio one day and hearing one of these beautiful love songs that this town is full of where you know it's so personal to the writer the songwriter and yet the singer makes it feel so universal but it's got just enough personal details scattered in that it draws you in and it makes you think gosh what kind of a love must that have been and did it last and doesn't even matter if it lasted it was so real in that moment and it's been captured forever in a song and I started thinking as I drove around Nashville, I've known a lot of songwriters and I've dated some songwriters, and I'm just not sure that anyone has written a song about me. And <laughs> I thought that's kind of a sweet metaphor for looking for love. And I just got this idea. I've had all these wonderful experiences in my life and dated all kinds of fantastic people, but I just want someone to write me a song. <laughs> and what about Clever Mind? Tell us the story behind that. Clever Mind is the one song on the EP that was written a long time ago. And I knew when it was completed that it said exactly what I had hoped it would. It was an idea I had shortly after having ended a relationship where I discovered that there was an other woman who was part of our relationship unbeknownst to me at the time. And that's obviously a jarring and disgusting thing to discover. But once I started recovering from the shock, I found myself thinking about this woman in particular and how long she had been in the picture and knowing full well that he had a partner. And I just thought, what a lonely, broken person that must have been. And I bet, if anything, she's hurting even more than I am. And good woman you are to think of it that way. <laughs> well, just trying to trying to heal from it, mm -hmm. it, it occurred to me. And I had a bunch of lyrics. I had, again, like with Witness, I had is this what you call a clever mind? That just beginning of the, the round of it. And I didn't think what I was coming up with on the piano was the best the song could be. So the next time I was in Nashville, I had been introduced to Tia Sillers and Mark Selby. Tia wrote, I hope you dance. She co-wrote, I hope you dance. And Mark was her husband who has since passed away. And they were such a beautiful, angelic couple, so full of light and love. And when I presented this idea to them to write from the other woman's point of view, I wasn't sure how they would feel about that. But they they looked at each other and they're like, yeah, we really like this idea. Let's do it. So we wrote this song, the three of us. And over the years, I made a few recordings of it, but I didn't feel they were quite what I wanted to put out. And then for this EP, the producer Cliff Downs heard this and it was by far his favorite. So I knew we found the right place to record it. I I love the recording of this. I'm so happy. Oh, awesome. Awesome. And if anything, I mean, a song about bearing witness, I was, 
a hundred percent a witness to this and not that I'm perfect by any means, but I've not dated somebody who's not single. And I always introduce this song by a very brief preface. Hey, I'm not the subject of this song. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So witness is just, tell us about the story a little bit about that as well. Witness was describing the hardest chapter I've experienced so far. And the knowing I had, which I believe came from God, that was, I'm going to get through this. I am supported by so much love and so much strength. And one day I'll be on the other side of this and I will tend to forget what I've gone through, what I'm made of. And I will need this super tiny inner circle of beloved ones who truly know the details they will need to be my witnesses and they will need to remind me and what was interesting about that chapter as well which is what my second verse goes into is it drew me closer to those people in their own lives Having gone through what I did, I am now, if anything, able to be an even better friend to them. The forever bond that was formed is unbreakable and can't be shared by anyone else. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. So what is your creative process like? I mean, obviously, is it the words first and then the, the, the sound comes later? Or? It's often... Most of the time, I would say the words first, mm -hmm. I often get an idea and I jot it down in my trusty iPhone in the notes section. <laughs> I have hundreds of unfinished lyrics. Mm -hmm. And what's great about that is obviously most of them aren't going to turn into songs, but whenever I go to a writing session, I have an unlimited supply of little seedlings and ideas mm -hmm. and chances are one of these will always be what kicks off a writing session. That's how most of my co-writes have gone. I often just sit outside at night and just free flow with an idea coming up with lyrics that I don't even realize rhyme in the moment. But when I look at them later, they do mm -hmm. have a structure to them. And then other times, actually, if a couple of times I've come up with a musical bit that I don't have lyrics to, but it's kind of all over the place. And I guess the most often of all is I get the main um, theme of it and it comes with a melody and a lyric, just maybe one line. And that one bit of music and that one line can spark the whole song. That's so neat. And of course, you're an actress as well. What came first, <laughs> music or acting? I started playing the piano the same year that I made my first movie, which was age seven. And were you self-taught in the piano or did you have Oh, I had a piano teacher, a wonderful teacher. And she, I actually just saw her not so long ago. She was wonderful. She instilled my love of piano, most certainly. I already had a love of music. I loved musicals. I, I loved singing and I loved listening to music, but it hadn't really, I don't know yet. 
I didn't grow up in a house where music was being made on a regular basis. My parents weren't really musicians. Uh My dad did play the guitar and banjo a little bit, but Hmm. I didn't think about it. And then these piano lessons really opened up my world and I took to it very fast. And I knew very quickly that I was going to play for the rest of my life. And I also knew I wanted to make up songs and sing for people much like I do now. I just didn't really know what that looked like. And I didn't start making songs consistently of my own until I was about 30. Just took me a moment to gain that confidence. When I started out with classical music, I competed for many years until I was 14. And I was doing very well in the competitive classical circles. I knew that I didn't want to go to Juilliard or any of the, that wasn't my path um, that I was passionate about. But I did play piano to support myself at the Beverly Wilshire for many years as a teenager in LA. Wow. So that was my day job as I worked my way up as an actor. That's amazing. Who are some of your musical inspirations? I have so many. (laughs) Um, Some of the ones that I can't imagine my songwriting without are Elton John, Billy Joel, Paul Simon, Barry Manilow. And then there are the songs from the 30s and 40s that I actually grew up playing because I was working in a restaurant starting at the age of 10 as well to help pay for more of the lessons. At a certain point, I was taking four lessons a week with another teacher in Boston as well. And I learned the Duke Ellington and George Gershwin and all the Rogers and Hammerstein and Rogers and Hart and (laughs) all the countless classic writers of that era. So they also had a profound influence on me. Great. How would you describe your sound? I always struggle to describe it. When I go out to make it, I don't think what genre it is going to be. And I think this EP, I know it's pop, but I think there are influences of kind of all the things I listen to. Always Tuesday, just piano, vocal, and a lone cello is more of the 50s and 60s ilk, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I hear a country influence in both Witness and Clever Mind, certainly. I listen to a lot of country, which I love. And Loop is super fun. That was on a loop for a long time in my brain without being completed. I wrote that with another writer. And I don't know what genre that is either. It's just <laughs> pop, I suppose. I love Olivia Rodrigo and Ariana Grande and some of these really gifted younger artists, Billie Eilish. So uh, yeah, it's, but I I would hope that somebody like Billy Joel would listen to it and and really dig it too. All of it has piano on it, except for one last string. There's no piano on that one. It's just guitar driven. And you don't play the guitar though too, do you? I wouldn't say that I play the guitar. I do know a few chords. <laughs> I'm always trying to learn in fits and starts, and I will. Someday I will start playing it at gigs. What do you like better, music or acting? <laughs> I don't have a preference. They are, <laughs> they are both 
so important to my identity and my expression. I get such different things out of each. And I know that I'm happiest when there's an equal balance of both. If I start to focus more on one or the other, I start really jonesing for mm. that next juicy acting role, or I start craving getting in the studio and have to get in the studio wherever I am when that happens. I'm always writing. So even if I'm very busy in the acting world and not focusing so much on music, I'm constantly writing. That never has to stop. And you can't talk about long legs, right? I can't. Yeah, too bad. It's such a shame uh, going on. We can talk again. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's neat that you do music for some of those Hallmark films too. What is it about? Oh, you probably can't talk about that either, can you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's so, the strike is so very important. And yeah. Yeah. I think by not speaking about projects past or future, it's necessary that we all, um, it's, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> you want to say a, anything about that? Anything about the strike? It's, yeah, I'd be happy to talk about the strike. Mm. We're know, in Times Square. And so we occasionally, you know, see everyone. Yes. I just learned last night from some friends that there have been a few pickets here at the Nashville SAG-AFTRA. Mm. I think a lot of people in the general public don't realize what the financials of it look like yeah, for yeah. actors. Mm -hmm. And I think we know that actors with a recognizable name generally earn more than actors who are working job to job to support themselves. But what the public may not know in addition to that is there's currently not much appreciable difference when you work on a series that you don't know if it's going to be a big hit or not, you work on a series for a streamer and you film the whole thing. You get paid whatever you get paid. And it doesn't matter some of the time. You can be a recognizable actor or not. If I'm up for a role and it's a really sought after role, I'm probably up against somebody who might be less recognizable than me they may not be willing to pay me more. They may likely say, this is the deal, take it or leave it. If you don't take it, we go to the next person. It's even more crucial than ever with all the streamers that are out now. If you work on a series, you do 13 episodes of it and you forget about it and go on to the next thing, particularly that job is everything to you. That is your potential health insurance. That is your potential mortgage. That's everything to you and your family. You take what you're given. You can't afford to say, ah, I'm going to hold out and see if you come back with more money because they're not going to. Then what if that series becomes a runaway hit like so many of them do? The streamer doesn't know when they film it if it's going to be the next number one show. This happens all the time. And that very actor who accepted a very low amount to make that show still doesn't have the money they need while the streamer is reaping in millions because it's now being streamed hundreds of millions of times. This is one of the many things that we're fighting for. 
is some justice. That actor deserves to receive a tiny piece of the pie. It's what residuals were put in place for back in the 80s. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but residuals only apply to the networks. And most of these shows are now on streamers. That's where the big hit shows are. are That's are amazing to me that that hasn't been thought of before. You know, I know. It just seems like a no-brainer, like, you know. It's been thought of. We just haven't. We haven't collectively dug our heels in and said enough is enough. And that's right. what's happening now. And the writers are doing the same, thankfully. And mm -hmm. there's countless other issues, but I love talking about this because I think there's a misperception in the general public that actors are rolling in it. And if you're on a hit show, you're rich. And mm -hmm. I promise you that's not true. And we're not even talking about being rich. We're talking about having health insurance. It is amazing how all these, like, look at Suits, like that show is so old and now it's like huge again, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, that's a like great all example. of these, yeah, they're all getting like revivals and, you know, it's crazy. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. If you're part of a show, you should forever be linked to its success. Yeah. yeah. Or if you're an actor or a writer, anyone who helped create that content. So hopefully we will. We will band together and and make some changes that really won't affect the streamers much at all in terms of their profit. I hope so too. Thank God you're doing music then in the meantime too. You yes. know, I think that's great. Yes. Um, and you're going to be playing again, right? At Bluebird, September 26th. What is it like to see you play live? <laughs> oh, well, the Bluebird is around. That's what almost all the shows are at the Bluebird. So it'll be me and three other writers and we're going to all take turns playing mm -hmm. a song and at around a lot of the time, the other three writers will start to join in as they become familiar with the song. Chances are some of the other writers, if not all of them will have hit songs that the audience will have heard that other artists will have covered. And it's always a really special time at the Bluebird. When I play shows and I'm I'm playing them constantly online as well as in person these days, but whether I'm playing with a band or just by myself, I love to play both current and older songs of my own. And I try to play something new and something that's a cover at every show. And the online shows on stage are great for that because even though the world is now opened up, I did so many shows during the pandemic and we formed a very special community there. And one thing you can't do at an in-person show that you can do online is you can read the message board and you can take requests. <laughs> and all of the conversations that these people who have become friends with one another are having, they've all got their own relationships now and they were all connected through my music. That's no so neat. No greater honor. So great. What would you say inspires you creatively? Every single thing in life. I can't even, I, I'm not even able to write down every idea I have each day. Stories I hear, conversations with loved ones, moments that happen to me or things I remember from the past or dreams. I, I mean, there's no shortage of, inspiration. And I love living in Nashville because being surrounded 
by so many others, it changes the alchemy of how those inspirations turn into uh, creation. Awesome, Alicia. Thanks so much. It was a pleasure talking to you. Fantastic. Thank you for having me. Okay. Bye. Bye. To see more of this interview, visit our website, lifeminute.tv. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, Life Minute TV. 